This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Tascan, the first name in premium quality travel gear with slim, stylish gear like the Tascan Edge professional laptop backpack for business and travel. Save 30% on your next purchase when you use promo code RNR take 30 at TaskanSF.com. Next up on an all new Rick and Rick. Black Friday sales skyrocket more than 40%. Bud Light introduces the coolest gaming console ever. Pizza Hut goes heavy on the comfort and joy this holiday season. Warner Brothers finally sees the light on Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> finally. Plus, Coca-Cola ditches half its beverage brands, Tesla dumps its PR department, and a whole lot more. And it all starts right here, right now. On the one show where everybody loves old St. Rick. <laughs> and everybody rules the world. Welcome one and welcome all to an all new episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World. I'm Rick Matheson and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Carlos Santana. I, I mean, Rick Wooten. How you doing, Rick? I'm good. I wish I was half as talented as Carlos Santana. Don't we all? Happy, I guess, post-Thanksgiving slash happy Black Friday. That's right. That's right. You know, this has uh, been a, you know an interesting year, of course. You know, we're in the middle of this pandemic. Uh, and so Thanksgiving didn't quite feel like the normal Thanksgiving, you know, it's, you, you don't go to go see your friends and your family and all that. We're all staying home. Yeah, you're right. It was a really different Thanksgiving. We did both sides, you know, both families on zoom. And that was interesting, especially for folks who don't live on zoom all day, like you and I do, and then do the zooms while avoiding any kind of political discourse. <laughs> That was probably the harder part. There were a couple of moments that were touch and go there where I thought somebody was going to go into something, but everybody played nice. And it was nice to uh, literally, one, see everybody again, but two, there was almost, or at least the Zoom era version of sitting around the table chatting and making fun of each other and catching up with everybody and, and stuff like that. So I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, we we did the same thing. We did We did the Zoom thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was, it was great to catch up with everybody. It was great to see everybody virtually, um, you know, and, uh, enjoyed some, some good food with kids and, you know, just took it easy. So it was, it was, um, it was a nice Thanksgiving. Thankfully for that. And thankfully there's lots of great stuff on the show today, uh, starting with Radar. And finally, Warner Brothers has finally come to its senses and announced the sequel to 2017's hit Wonder Woman will finally hit theaters and HBO Max, which is key, on December 25th. Now, folks who've been listening to our show know that this film was scheduled for this time last year before Warner Brothers sniffed a big blockbuster and moved it to June 2020 thinking it'd be a big summer tentpole only to be gut punched by the pandemic just like every other movie this year and after pushing it back what seems like 1984 times fans will finally be able to see Wonder Woman 1984 first of all I'm stoked that they're releasing this we need we need a Christmas movie and I'm I'm uh, I'm always happy to to have it be an action you know a superhero kind of movie and so unless it's a Star Wars I think I would actually prefer the Star Wars so second best right second best uh, but, you know, so it's great that they're releasing it, but it's even better that they're streaming, although that's a little bit of a double-edged sword because it, it is streaming, but only on HBO Max. Uh, so it's going to it's gonna be interesting to see how this comes out and, and to see if this works for them. I, I do wish they had gone the way of some of the other movies that had gone, you know, direct-to-video and just gone to the major services, the Apples, the Amazons, the Netflix, and just charged us an incremental amount. I, I would have preferred that. 
Yeah, my understanding is it is no extra cost for HBO Max subscribers. So if you sign up and maybe there's a trial period, folks can uh, get that for the trial and see the movie at no additional cost. And I want to say HBO Max is like $15 a month. Folks who want to hear spoilers about this movie, we have an episode where we broke down what we believe to be major story elements of Wonder Woman 1984. But this is the news that I just got today is that Patty Jenkins, who's the director of Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 1984, has revealed a planned Amazon's spinoff movie, and it will set the stage for Wonder Woman 3. I don't know. I'm looking forward to this movie. I'm actually looking forward to this one as well. From what I've seen from the storyline, it looks like it's really solid. I really enjoyed the last Wonder Woman movie. So if they can you know, capture some of that essence and capture some of the uh, the excitement that was around that. I, I think I think they've got something good. So let's see how they do. Here's hoping. Now, you sent over a list of the top 15 best movies of the 2010s, and I started scrolling through this. Have you seen many of these? So, so no. So that was one of the things I thought was so interesting. You know, we've done a couple of these shows, our you know favorite sci-fi movies, our favorite whatever. Um, and, you know, so this is a, a Mashable article, and it's, you know, I guess their 15 best movies of the 2010s uh and there were some that you know were on here that uh were predictable um and then some that really surprised me and i i do like their list though because it's um probably a little more rounded than the one you and i uh created ours were you know pretty much movies that we like uh and, and these are actually you know they, they've got some good dramas in here they've got but yeah there was there was pr- probably three quarters of the list i haven't seen what about you? Yeah, I would say the same. And a couple of these, I'm not sure I even remember the name. The, number 15 is uh, What We Do in the Shadows from 2015. I have no recollection of that one. Oh, that one I do. That's one that's been on my list. I just haven't watched it yet. Okay. And then Spotlight is number 14, and that's also from 2015. Number 13 is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which we have seen and loved. And I think we did a review or I've touched on it many times on the show. I never saw number 12, The Social Network. Did you see it? I did. It was very good. Yeah, I remember everyone loving it at the time. I'm not sure why I didn't see it. Parasite is number 11 yeah and it, i haven't uh, i haven't seen this one yet but this is definitely on my list i i've heard a lot of good things about it i think it won some awards as well so it's uh it's definitely one to see so again this is one of the ones that would have probably not made it to my list but i'm glad that they added it to theirs yeah at number 10 is moonlight which is from 2016 and i've heard very good things about that i have not seen it number nine is mad max fury road from 2015 hard to believe it's that far back uh, i really enjoyed that movie you saw that one right i did too but i don't, and this is one of the ones where i was like wow you know i really enjoyed that but i don't think that would make my top 15 list number eight is ladybird from 2017 which i've heard good things about i have not seen number seven is one of our favorites one of your top favorites inception from 2010 that's right no i was glad to see this one on here my Probably would have placed it a little bit higher, but uh, I thought this was definitely a a genre-defining movie. Yeah. Number six is Gone Girl from 2014, which I have not seen. Number five is Get Out from 2017. Can't believe that's that old now too, but love that movie. Did you ever see Get Out? No, I haven't. And again, this is another one that's on my list. Like they they hit a bunch of good ones, but this is not one I've seen yet. Oh, you got to watch this one. It's a it's a lot of fun. It's from Jordan Peele. Yeah, he directed the movie Us with the doppelgangers. I only saw that recently and actually much preferred Get Out. Get Out was just a fantastic movie. And if I remember right, I, I think they said that it was his um, directorial debut, wasn't it? 
Get Out? I believe Get Out was, yes. And he's very talented. And at number four was Bridesmaids 2011. That was a good movie. Number three, Black Panther definitely would make my list of top tens, uh, especially for the superhero or Marvel genre. Number two is Before Midnight. And then number one was The Baba Duke from 2014. Did you see this? No, I haven't seen it, but I am familiar with it. I, In fact, I wanted to go to the theater to see it when it came out. The, the storyline was really interesting. Um, however, it was in and out of theaters really quickly here. And, uh, and so I, I kind of forgot about it until I saw it in this article. So it's, it's one that I definitely want to go back and take a look at. It's, it's supposed to be, um, absolutely frightening movie. The, the storyline is, is supposed to be really compelling, really well written, really well acted. Um, and it's, it's one of those ones that's done on a fairly low budget, but you don't feel like that as you watch it is what I've been what I've been hearing. Yeah, I'm going to have to check this out as well. It won't give anything away here to say this description in Mashable says uh, that the story involves a mother, her son, and a haunted pop-up book. That sounds terrifying already. So anyway, I'll have to check that one out. And apparently, according to this list anyway, it is the number one film of the 2010s. So probably worth a, a check out. What else is worth checking out is what's on the other side of this next break. Because when we come back, it's time for the good, the bad, and the marketing. So stay tuned. Rick Nation, don't forget to check out our website at rickandrick.com. It's double the Rick in just one click at rickandrick.com. All right. Welcome back to Rick and Rick Rule the World. This is Rick Matheson and Rick Wooten. And it's time for the good, the bad, and the marketing. And first up, Rick, we're recording this episode on Black Friday. And Retail Dive is reporting that Black Friday online sales are at least on track to grow as much as 42% this year. According to data from Adobe Analytics, they are forecasting that online sales will hit between 8.9 billion and 10.6 billion, or growth between 20% and 42% year over year. Black Friday and Cyber Monday 2020 are projected to become the two largest online sales days in history. No surprise here, as consumers shift more spending toward e-commerce in the face of the pandemic. Still- yeah, this, uh, this one made me think. Uh, it sounds really great when they said that it was increasing 42%, but I am wondering if the total pie isn't decreasing this year. We know throughout the year, people have been spending less, and it's gonna be interesting to find out if they uh, the amount they're spending online will offset the amount that they're not spending in person uh, this time of the year. So uh, good good for online sales, but it'll be interesting to see how it affects the economy overall. Yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat more concerned about 2021. So, you know, we did see federal stimulus drop off. And if there is not considerable amount of stimulus going into 2021, there could be some big turbulence ahead all across the board for the economy. What's also key to, to kind of your point, Point is that you know retail sales during this holiday season, at least in store, have been dropping for for six years. And as we've said before, the pandemic has accelerated trends that were already in place. And this year is no different. It maybe just got accelerated a bit more toward online and mobile sales, just because of the current situation that we're all in. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, you know, when uh, when a particular Black Friday deal caught my eye, uh, I saw it a little bit earlier today. Uh, Samsung has a TV uh, they're, that, that they're advertising is half off. And half off is $50,000. So, <laughs> so a television that is half off is $50,000? Yeah, yeah. So the apparently the, the TV is a 98-inch uh, 8K television. Oh, so 98 inches. That is ridiculous. That's, that's more than 8 feet. Um, and uh, it, the normal price is $100,000. Uh, 
Uh, it's the uh, Q900. Uh, and, and apparently uh, Sony has one as well that is for the bargain price of $60,000. Uh, so for Black Friday, uh, Samsung went ahead and cut the cost so that they could undercut uh, Sony by $10,000. Wow. How ridiculous is that? Well, you know, Rick, so for the cost of the HBO Max for $15 and the $50,000 TV set, you'll be all set for Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas Day. Yeah, so if I had that 98-inch TV, I don't think I would ever go to the movie theater again. Oh, hell no. You'd be charging admittance to your living room. That's right. (laughs) Obviously, everyone's doing a lot of home delivery these days, and Pizza Hut's using the opportunity to team up with Gravity Blanket to release a weighted blanket that looks like a giant pizza. You know, I I I saw this just by chance a couple days ago and I thought this was absolutely hilarious and one hand I kind of want it just because it's funny and it comes in a pizza box uh, but on the, on the flip side I, I really don't see myself you know using it as part of my decor <laughs> Now, what may seem insane to a lot of folks is there's been a lot of changes with you know everything that's going on in the world and changing business dynamics, but we're seeing some brands divesting themselves of certain things, and, and Coca-Cola is divesting itself of what, half of its beverage brands. Yeah, you know, two statistics stood out to me on this one. The first one is Coca-Cola is getting rid of 200 of its beverage brands. Wow. Two, 200. I didn't even know there were 200 beverage brands, let alone that Coca-Cola owned more than 200 because they're not getting rid of all of them. Right. Uh, and and some of them some of them were ones that uh, you know we we would we would know like Tab right. as an example. Although I I didn't realize they were still making that after 1986, but yeah. apparently they were. I feel like every couple of years I read a story about how Tab's going away, and I don't I never even see Tab. Yeah, it must be popular in some region. It's just not here. Yeah. Uh, and then I I I've heard that uh, you know some of the ones that are near and dear to us like. Uh, Coke Zero is gonna is gonna be around, so we're we're safe there. Thank you, Coke. Uh, but they're yeah, but they're getting rid of some other stuff like uh, Zico water, uh, coconut water. Uh, I'm not necessarily a fan, but I know people who are uh, Adwala, which I was really surprised about because yeah. I, I know people who are you know very passionate about it. Uh, Coca Cola Life, uh, I think that is the one that's made with stevia. I wanted then, to try uh, it. I never saw it, so that must still be a regional player or something. Yeah, I've seen it around, and then there's ones I, I've never heard of, like Diet Coke, uh, feisty cherry. Yeah. Like n- cherry is not enough. You got to get the feisty one. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that lazy cherry. We right. want the feisty one. Right. Uh, and then and then Sprite Lemonade, uh, which again I, I've never heard of, but you know. Yeah, I want to try that. See, maybe this is all just a marketing ploy. This is like a new Coke thing where they're talking about brand- we're canceling brands like this, that, and the other thing. And we're like, that sounds great. How come we've never even seen it? I know. It is true, though, that you there is a point at which you almost have too many choices. I'm sure. But part of it to me, too, and this happens in other categories as well, is when these big brands buy these upcoming brands, like Adwala, like uh, Zika, it's like a death knell. It's yeah. like, I don't know if they do them to try them for a while to have them succeed or if it's to kill them the the most important thing though is the ones that we know and love the most like you know uh coke zero is still going to be around we are we are still safe i am literally drinking a cherry coke zero as we're doing the show so thank you coca-cola now what else is interesting is another divestor this time tesla and its public relations department yeah you know the tesla is interesting because you know from the very beginning elon's been very vocal about we don't do marketing and 
you know, I, I pointed out to my friends in marketing, it's like, well, first of all, he gets on social media and, you know, he basically is his marketing department every time he tweets. And then secondly, I said, I've always pointed out, and they've got a very prolific PR department. Uh, well, it turns out that he, he heard me and has decided now to get rid of that so that he can say he doesn't have marketing. Uh, and so they have, I think, uh, around January, at least the first quarter, uh, they went ahead and shut it down. And so they no longer have a PR department. Uh, and, and you know, frankly, as you, as you well know, the, this has got the, the press kind of upset because, you know, when there's questions, when there's, you know, whatever, they don't have a, a way now to get those answers. Uh, and I, I think this is this is a pretty pretty uh, brave move on his part because you know in the past when they've kind of had a monopoly on the uh, electric vehicle kind of industry, uh, it's one thing. But we're moving into a time where he's going to have real competition, and this could be Ford with the Mach E, uh, or it could be you know some of these these uh, new upstarts that are coming. And I guarantee you, all of them are going to leverage the power of PR. And so all that that good PR excitement that had been around Tesla will very easily move over to the competition, and they're going to get a whole lot of free advertising out of that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. What's your take? I think that it's silly and I think that it'll be short lived. I think that to your first point that at some point members of the press are going to want to find out about something and not have anyone to call or contact. I don't think Elon's going to want to field all of those emails or phone calls. So I think right. that there'll be some, you know, reinvention of what their press department is, if not for anything other than fielding press queries. I, I get his point. Unlike many others, he is in many ways the brand and he has right. the power of social media and his social media following to make pronouncements. But role or function of a press department as it stands, somebody's going to have to field all those queries for Tesla. And so I think there'll be some office doing that in the not too distant future, especially as you say, as new competition arises. You know, I, I, I see this, I'm, I'm sure you have as well, being in, you know, Silicon Valley, being in this, this tech world that we're in. Um, I, I see these stereotypes happening over and over again, where you know, you have the technology CEO, you know, the engineering CEO who doesn't have uh, a whole lot of appreciation for marketing, or you'll have the sales one that doesn't have a lot of appreciation for, you know, fill in the blank, the engineering or what have you. And and so, you know, we, we keep seeing this model pop up over and over again, uh, and we don't see folks learning from this, right? We, you know, like there's a reason that engineering driven companies tend to get to a certain size and then they kind of stall. It's because their their success metrics are all based on, you know, uh, a certain model and that model only carries them so far. I mean, we talked about uh, Google in the past and Google is a good example of this where, you know, the founders kind of took it to a certain point and realized like to their credit, realized that they kind of got to a point where they needed help and they brought in an external CEO while they went and figured out how to be the CEO of the company. And then when it came time, they stepped back in and now, you know, one of the founders is the CEO of the company. And so, you know, I, you, you get this one example that learned from it. Um, and it's, it's disappointing when we see these other amazing companies that have these great products that, you know, still have these biases of, 
you know, I don't need marketing. Marketing's evil or, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's, it's like, that's like saying, you know, engineering is evil or sales is evil. It's all part of the ecosystem of how to make a company strong. No, you're so right. And, and there's also, I think, an element of cult of personality as well. And if you think back in the day, you know, we all equate, say, Microsoft with Bill Gates. And yeah. he wisely was able to look ahead and say, okay, I'm not going to want to be with the company forever. And I need to make sure that that's a viable concern on its own. Today, Elon Musk is Tesla to a certain extent and SpaceX and the others. At some point, he's not going to want their total success and viability depend solely on his personality or the forcefulness of his personality. And he's going to want to bring up management ranks that can take it and run with it without him. And so that transition can go smoothly or not smoothly. And I think things like this will just slow him down. It's burdening him and only making him more and more the focus of the company versus having the companies thrive on their own. Yeah. Well, and, and especially as folks are leaving his company for others. So there was a, you know, uh, some head of engineering that left a little while ago and joined Lucid Motors uh, and now has now kind of taken over the company. I think he's he's acting as CEO right now. And, you know, I've, I've seen a couple of, of press briefings with him and he makes a very compelling argument on, you know, how he's able to build a car that will rival, if not, you know, beat the Tesla in, in almost every every dimension. Uh, and then you got Riven, you know, coming out with, you know, a uh, an electric truck. You've got Hummer coming out of nowhere with like some ridiculous, like 500 mile range, you know, 2000 torque, you know, 1000 horsepower, whatever, whatever it is, like, you know, giant SUV. And then, you know, you've got Ford and like, if anybody knows how to do it, it's Ford and they're coming hard and they're, they're they've got a, a, a really compelling product. We'll, we'll see how, how well it adapts. I still think calling it a Mustang is a mistake, but, Yeah, you know, yeah. that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. But anyways, I think I think those companies are going to leverage PR and they're going to they're going to, you know, make uh, make Elon take a pause and think about his decision there. One other thing that we're going to have to agree on is that it is time for us to be like Santa and leave your presence, dear listener. But before we head out, Rick Wooten, what's your Twitter handle? You can always find me on Twitter as at Wooten, W-O-O-T-T-E-N. And how about yourself, Rick? I'm at Rick Matheson on Twitter. And you can find us both at Rick and Rick Rule on Twitter, Rick and Rick Rule the World on Facebook, and on the web at Rick and Rick. If you like the show, please subscribe to Rick and Rick Rule the World, wherever you get your podcasts. And if your wherever happens to be iTunes, please leave us a five-star review and help others find the show. Until next time, stay safe and keep on coming back to the one show where everybody's name is Rick. And everybody rules the world. Rick and Rick Rule the World.